Meet the Skywalkers by Frodogenic. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on the works of George Lucas. Chapter 9 Hi, Grandad. I'm Jaina. She'd said it. She had actually gone and said it to his face. He had thought that frightened look of a moment ago had meant she'd had some sense knocked into her. Well, he wouldn't be assuming that about anybody named Solo ever again. But Vader only said, Child, what are you doing there? Nothing much. We're just keeping your Admiral entertained. Vader gripped his belt with one hand, hanging on for dear life, Piet would have said, if it had been anyone else in the known universe. We? What the house, Jason muttered and joined her at the station, forcing Piet off to the side. Us, me and her. I'm Jason, uh, hi. The black stare ticked from twin to twin, like the needle on a Geiger counter. Is your mother aware of this? Piet blinked. The question almost, no, it did imply a tremendous concession, an unheard-of concession, that, at least where teenage children surnamed Solo were concerned, Darth Vader's wishes must defer to those of the princess. This from the same Darth Vader who had never taken orders from anyone but the Emperor or the Emperor's puppet du jour, such as Tarkin had been. Jaina tipped her head slightly to the side. Now she is. Safely out of the pickup range, Piet mopped his suddenly clammy forehead. Back in Arayadu, Vader seemed to be having a difficult time finding words. It had probably been decades since the man had last to introduce himself to somebody on civil terms. Are you coming to Corsetson? Jason ventured, in a surge of nerve. That, Vader thundered, will depend. Jason's eyebrows shot up in alarm as the rest of him sprang reflexively to attention. Yes, I, I mean, yes sir, he agreed, without bothering to ask what he was agreeing with. Jaina was not so easily intimidated. On what? On whether my admiral has an opportunity of discussing the negotiations with me, Vader boomed or continues to be interrupted by insolent children. Yes, sir, Jason stammered. Sorry we interrupted. Piet did not like the look in his twin's eye, however. She was only too clearly taking the measure of her opponent, and unlike Jason, appeared to be finding the odds to her liking. I'm not, she said, crossing her arms. He's had you all to himself for twenty-five years. I think it's our turn. And we aren't children either, she added tentatively. We're eighteen. I'm starting an academy in a couple of months. There was a taut silence. Piet caught himself holding his breath. Perhaps not a child? Vader conceded at length. Certainly insolent. Jason remained stiffer than the cold case wing of the Galactic City morgue, but Jaina grinned. She seems to have figured out in five minutes what Piet had taken years to comprehend. Vader's aggression was quite often no more than his way of testing your mettle. Of course, it was also quite often his way of editing unsatisfactory life-forms from the galactic script, but dwelling on the negative never got you anywhere. Comes of being Corellian, Jaina answered, just on the safe side of flippant. With what must have been superhuman effort, Vader passed up this sterling opportunity to insult his son-in-law. What specialization have you chosen? Starfighter pilot. Good. His tone made it abundantly clear he considered this the only military career acceptable for persons descended from him. The helmet swiveled. And does your brother also plan to attend Academy? Ah, uh, well, not just yet, 
Jason replied. Not just yet, Gina demanded sotto voce. Last summer you said never in a million years. Last summer I didn't know he'd be asking, Jason hissed back. Piet cleared his throat loudly. Call him paranoid, but it seemed better to cut this first conversation short on a high note. Or at least a note not too far below middle C. Master Soto, Miss Soto, I'm afraid I really must speak with Lord Vader privately now. The committee is due to reconvene in forty minutes. Jason nudged his sister with his elbow and flicked his chin toward the door, and this time she relented. All right, I guess. We'll see you later then, Granddad. It would seem the Force has willed it so, child. Jaina's eyebrows went up indignantly, signaling the onset of a royal snit a la Leo Organa. I am not a- Yep, looks that way, Jason said loudly over her, grabbing her arm and towing her backwards. Nice talking to you, Granddad. Jason tugged her arm as he marched her out of the room, protesting half-heartedly. A moment later, Jason's wicked grin popped back around the frame. He waggled three fingers at Piet. You still owe us the third one, remember? The door whooshed shut. Piet turned with unaccustomed relief back to Vader and found himself the object of profound suspicion. What is it that you owe them? He cleared his throat. No, it's nothing of consequence, my lord. Vader's forefinger lasered in on him. If this has anything to do with that repulsive card game my son insists on propagating. Piet prayed to guards he hadn't found out about the lightsaber or the Emperor's portrait. Nothing whatsoever, sir. I assure you. Have you had an opportunity of reviewing the report? In spite of Jedi interference, yes. Jedi interference was his new phrase for anything Skywalker did to irritate him, ranging from destruction of Imperial property, his holocom, to corruption of Imperial officers, Rebel Sabak fast becoming a shipwide craze, to taking outrageous personal liberties. Good night, Father. Sleep well. Piant had already heard the complaint too many times to spare it a second thought, particularly not given how many other things there were to weigh on his mind. And what is your opinion of the committee's revised proposals? He asked purely for form's sake. There was one new demand guaranteed to send him back to the table with a withering refusal that he'd somehow have to translate into less offensive phrasing. Made it with a hand. They're acceptable. Piet, stylus poised over his data pad ready to start taking notes, froze in total shock for more than five seconds before looking back up at Vader. And acceptable, sir. That is correct, Admiral. Are you sure? He blurted. Vader's mask snapped around to him, whether in anger or surprise he couldn't tell. Likely both, he's never questioned Vader's decisions to his face, let alone been such an idiot as to do it without a single, my lord, sir. But it turned out thirty years of faithful service was enough for Vader to allow one infraction to slide. You have an objection. How could the objection not be leaping off the flimsy of the man? I will, yes, my lord, I, I have some very deep concerns about section 3A and following... I, forgive me, my lord, but I did send the documents with today's timestamp. There has been some confusion on my part with an earlier draft. Then it better not be, Admiral, for your sake. Vader nevertheless deigns to consult his copy of the report. Section 3A refers to the arrangements concerning the ship. Piet swallowed. And I beg your pardon, but it does state that the executor is to be... to be formally... to be formally... Surrendered. Vader finished. That is correct. You have some objection to this. That mechanical voice had never sounded so merciless or dispassionate. He could hardly believe his own ears. My, we cannot simply surrender her after- What do you suggest to be done with her instead? Piet swallowed. I realize she's in bad shape. The expense of refurbishing her will be- Prohibitive. 
The word slashed down like a guillotine blade. Nor are we in a position to prolong these negotiations. Political leadership under democratic auspices is fickle at best. The princess may continue in office for another decade or be impeached tomorrow. And if she is, you will find that her successor places a steeper price on peace than one obsolete dreadnought barely fit for scrap. I intend to secure our tactical advantage while it may be secured. He pawed his tirade, studying Piet with perhaps a shade less indifference than before. The necessity is perhaps to be regretted, but the ship is no longer of any use. Therefore, neither is her crew. And as both they and you are offered employment by the New Republic Military Reserve Forces, you can have no reason for remaining aboard her. Sir, he began hoarsely, I swore an oath to- That is irrelevant, Admiral. There is no longer an empire to require your services. Inform the committee that their terms are accepted. The connection went dead. Piet stared at the blank projector for he knew not how long. Several times his hand hovered recklessly over the transmit key, though what he'd say he had no idea. There was nothing to be said. The man had given his orders, and all that was left was to obey them, make an end of it. Perhaps, after all, it would have been best to die at Endor. A warrior's death, no disgrace in that. He was still staring when the door opened and the princess appeared. Admiral, I've come to let you know that... Is everything all right? Purely out of habit, he was able to force a polite smile. Oh, forgive me, I'm, I suddenly feel very tired. The smile gave out on him. He peeled off his cap and kneaded his forehead. Then you'll be glad to hear I postponed our reconvention until tomorrow evening, she said. The thought of lying awake all night thinking of nothing but what he'd have to say at the table sickened him. I'd prefer to have done with it, actually. The princess raised an eyebrow. That would be inhospitable of us, particularly when you've had to put up with my children's antics for an hour. Piet's earlier horror came faintly back to him and must have shown on his face, but the princess immediately shook her head. From what they told me, I don't think any harm was done. Her gaze wandered thoughtfully for a moment. In fact, I, I think it might be quite the opposite. They told you that they spoke with him. Every word. She laughed softly at his skeptical expression. Their wreck was to a fault, I grant you, but they take their knocks on the chin, just like their father. I see. He cleared his throat. Your Highness, can we not reconvene in the morning at least? I shall merely be wasting my day otherwise. One night would be hell enough without the following day thrown into the bargain. The princess studied him closely. He had a nasty feeling she suspected his real reasons had little to do with impatience. Deliberately, she shook her head. I understand how you feel, Admiral. I've felt that way myself many times before, when a negotiation is on the cusp. I've found the wisest course of action is to take a good long pause and give everyone a chance to clear their minds of possible regrets or resentment. Peace too fat is usually worse than no peace at all. There was, as always, nothing for him to do but comply. Sleep proved as impossible as he'd feared. The walls of his plush suite seemed to bend inward on him, Vader's cold orders echoing off them endlessly in the silence. Finally, around 0300 hours, he threw on his uniform jacket and stormed out into the Imperial Palace. He needed to have space, a sense of going somewhere, of being involved in a bigger hole with other busy people. His boots rang dully on the marble tiles, loud in the dim and quiet that had settled over the diplomatic suites, too dim, too quiet. What the hells were they all doing in bed? Wasn't Coruscant supposed to be the planet that never slept? 
guessed how he missed the lady, right down to the god's damned mouse droids that were always getting underfoot and trying to break his neck. A warship never slept. Her shifts came and went, but her crew was always about its business. Finally, he picked up on a distant, crab-like hum and followed it, until a much brighter beam of light bowed him through an archway onto a sprawling balcony of sorts. A cavernous hall opened to view, below and above, and for what must be three kilometers in either direction. Imposing geometric columns vaulted from twenty levels below past his balcony and into a ribbed ceiling thirty levels over his head. He stopped at his tracks. The sheer vastness of it demanded his full attention. A grand corridor, said a heavy Coco Town accent. Piet glanced to his left and saw a security checkpoint under the complacent eye of a palace guard. First time here, Governor. Yes. His hands closed over the rail. Here was the looted glory of the Empire still echoing before his eyes. What a figure Vader must have cut down that concourse in those days. He was a setting built to the scale of such a force of nature as he was. How many hollows and broadcasts Piet had seen of the formal Empire Day processions winding down this hall to the ceremonial plaza gates, out onto the grand promenade from which the Emperor had once made his public addresses to masses of flag-waving millions as flights of ties swept overhead and entire battalions of the Imperial Armed Forces paraded in unison on the sprawling expanse of the Pleiada. But that was all gone now, just the shell left. It's a sight, isn't it? The guard sauntered up. Thumb stuck in his belt, with the possessive air of a museum curator. Yes, I suppose you must be familiar with it. Away. Been working here since the reconstruction. He did a double tank at Piet's uniform jacket. Here now, you're that admiral who come back from the unknown regions, aren't you? He prodded Piet's insignia. You're Vader's admiral, aren't you? Piet scowled and batted the finger away. For now, at least. He wasn't sure what the guard would do with that information, shoot him for all he knew. But once they took away the lady, everything between here and his grave would just be filler anyway. Core, said the guard, looking impressed. You actually knew him, then? Better than most, I suppose. Before Araidu, he'd have said better than anyone. But that was before Skywalker started pulling things out of the man nobody could have suspected him of containing, like a Faleen magician putting on a show with a bottomless puzzle box. Blimey, the guard said. There was something gratifying about how impressed he looked. You know, my dad used to work security here, too, back in Empire days. Said he saw Vader once. Said he could read your mind from a sector away. It was more question than comment. Ten sectors, said Piet. Actually, it might be eleven from here to Araidu. I seen a whole of it once, said he took out a whole regiment of rebels and Rogo's vast single-handed, mused the guard. You ever seen him scrag anybody? Piet pursed his lips. I don't care to discuss it. But you did see him do it? Yes, he said, to put a stop to the question. He's truly can scrag you without laying a hand on you. I said I don't care to— Oh, very well, yes, it's true. Ten years of Borsk failures oozing, velveted contempt made the guard's admiration difficult to refuse, however morbid. The man beamed at this revelation then nodded as if he'd known all along. Thought it were. Youngins nowadays say it's all spacious tales about him. I say they weren't around then. Amazing the things people could get nostalgic about. You remember the Empire, then? Core do I. Weren't gonna sprout, then. But I remember, sure enough. See them big Republic crests on the walls? He pointed out at the Grand Corridor. When I used to visit my dad on the job, them were Imperial crests. 
still there underneath, you know, cut into the wall and such. Piet swallowed a brief but intense flash of resentment. It was the flags all over again, only worse. Wonderful place, this. Seen the forest of Kashyyyk yet? Piet blinked. The what? The colonnade in the North Wing. What the Wookiees gave the Republic five hundred years back. Seen it? I, no, I didn't know it existed. Here now, said the guard, ballooning with indignation. Can't miss that. I'll take you if you like. You needn't trouble yourself, Piet said quickly. I'm no trouble, Admiral. None at all. Half a minute. I'll get one of the boys on patrol to take that there checkpoint. Piet's irritation over being press-ganged soon evaporated. The guard proved a first-rate tour guide, and the forest of Kashyyyk, comprised of two hundred hand-sculpted rosher trees, each over five hundred meters in height and over three thousand years in age, did not fall short of his praise. Warmed to his work, the guard proceeded to exhibit the Sereno Ballroom. Six million tiles in that there floor, twelve layers of enamel on each of them, three days' work by hand. The hall where the emperor had presided over state dinners at a ten-meter-long dining table carved from a single block of Alderanian sea crystal. Would have bankrupted a mid-system to buy it, and that's before the Death Star come into it, and wound up at the mausoleum, a vast honorary cemetery where the heroes of the galaxy were memorialized, or rather where the heroes of whoever happens to be running the galaxy were memorialized. It had undergone some rather pointed renovations since changing hands. The long corridor of placards honoring Imperial military heroes had been replaced by a long sandstone wall, engraved with the names of every being known to have been on Alderaan at its last instant. On the opposite wall, a row of kinetic sculptures slowly flowed through the faces of the protesters who'd been killed in the Gorman Massacre, when the future Butcher of Alderaan had tenderly landed his Imperial-class destroyer on their heads and at the far end of the hall, enshrining all of Tarkin's personal contributions to the galaxy's woes, danced a tall column of light, mesmerizing the eye in a constant, interwoven upward rush, a memorial to the Jedi of old. The epitaph at the base read, There is no death, there is the Force. What mockery! They died all right, down to the month-old infants in the temple crash. Three guesses who'd done that little chore for the Emperor. "'Lovely, ain't it?' said the guard reverently. Piet muttered something noncommittal, looking away from the epitaph. Nausea was beginning to roil his gut, and he wished he could put it down to mere exhaustion. "'But this,' the guard went on, "'this year I think you'll specially like.' He'd seen more than enough to sate him. The beauties of the Empire pilfered away or swept beneath the rug of history, and its ugliest deeds put on public display like a moral freak show." I appreciate it, but it's been a long night. I think I should like to return to my suite. Only half a minute more, Governor, his amateur guide urged. You won't have cause to regret it. You're to step this way. Piet turned, intending firmly to shut the offer down, and stopped in surprise at the sight of a tall pair of copper-sheathed doors embossed with an imperial crest, the only one he'd seen in the entire palace. A blinking red light on the control panel indicated it was locked, but the guard made a show of unlocking it with his code cylinder. Yavin Memorial Hall, he announced. Piet stood still for a long moment more, then crossed quickly over the threshold. A short, curved corridor led him into total blackness, and then rounded a corner into a galaxy of lights, 
extending in every direction around him, forming a perfect sphere with a glittering orb of white crystal suspended in the center above him. "'It's meant to be the Death Star,' the guard informed him. "'That there crystal's a kyber. Same as was used on the station to focus the laser.' Piet nodded, swallowing hard as he looked about him. He did not need the guard to tell him that there were exactly 1,556,296 lights surrounding them. I can't believe this is still here, he got out. Well, they don't generally open it except for family, said the guard. It was the emperor that had it made, and there are some that were like it smashed to bits, you see. But they was most of them regular men on that station, too, says I, he cleared his throat. You take your time, Admiral. I'll be just outside whenever you're ready. Piet found a bench along one wall and sat, thinking, remembering morning. A few of those lights had been friends, not his nearest or dearest, but men he'd liked and respected all the same, and there was probably not a survivor of the old navy that didn't remember where he'd been when word of that terrible defeat broke. He wondered if Vader had ever set foot here, and if he had, whether it had meant anything to him at all. Or had he shrugged all those lives off, too, the same way he just shrugged off the executor and all the people who looked up to him. When he emerged, the guard was deep in conversation with somebody at the other end of the comlink. He held up a finger to indicate he'd be along in a minute and stepped out a side door. Morosely, Piet wandered the other direction. Passing the pillar of light, he discovered a stained glass window at the end of the corridor, facing true east. A faint pre-dawn glow had just begun to illuminate the image of a woman dressed in white, the guardian angel of all these remembered dead, perhaps. Kindness mingled with sorrow in her expression, tempting his grief and betrayed feeling right out of their hiding places, straight to the tip of his tongue. And before he realized what a stupid thing he was doing, did they take everything you believed in, too? You, his rational side seethed, are talking to a damned window but the rest of him had already decided his rational side could go to hell for once. He needed someone to talk to, and she seemed like she'd listen. "'My commanders told me to surrender,' he went on. "'I've spent thirty years following him. Not because of him, really. He's a first-rate son of a bitch, begging your pardon. But he was the Empire to us in many ways, and the Empire meant a great deal to me. I assumed it meant something to him, too he swallowed. It appears I was wrong. He could have sworn she had somehow nodded at him. Certainly she looked as if she understood every word. Do you know what it's like? To give everything to someone, only to have them drop you like so much trash in the end. Silent compassion seems to flow toward him with the feeble light. We believed in it, you know, he said hoarsely what the Empire meant, what it was, what it was going to be. As much as any rebel believed in the Republic, we let him wring our necks like nunachicks because we believed I let him. His throat was suddenly too swollen with anger and guilt to get words out. His gaze fell, blurring, to the granite slab floor, thinking of his own personal mausoleum. The Avenger, Admiral Lazel, poor Lorth Nida, if ever a man had deserved a monument, it had to be Nita. Men who'd fallen brutally at Vader's hand. Rightly so, he'd told himself all these years. Ridiculous as it had sounded, the word from above had been clear. 
The security of the Empire depends on capturing Luke Skywalker. Those who failed in this task put at risk the Empire they'd sworn to serve, which was practically treason, if you stretched the definition in the right direction. Only he couldn't tell himself any more that that was why Vader had killed them. Not since that moment in the observation office. Piet wrung his fingers furiously together. Well, it's obvious now, anyway, he told the woman in the window. He doesn't give a damn about the Empire, and he never has. I dare say he never cared about anyone but that insane son of his. He snorted bitterly. Whom he doesn't begin to deserve, by the way. That boy waltzes in, forgives every goddamned thing the man ever did to him, and what does he do? Try to chase him off every chance he gets. He doesn't know how to carry on a relationship with another human being. He's more machine than... He stopped dead. Her presence acted like a mirror, reflecting back to him what he was actually saying. A man who'd lived without family for how long? About fifty years. A man who'd lived encased in a walking sarcophagus for half a century, cut off from all normal aspects of human life and society, surely as if he'd been buried alive in a dungeon. And because he was strong, he'd survived, consuming every living thing around him in unspeakable ways, all the scurrying, frightened rats like Piet and Ozel and Nida. And maybe after that long in the dungeon, the only way he knew how to care for something was to shove it the hell away from him. Was that what was going on here? Maybe he hadn't ever given a damn for the Empire, but did it follow that he'd never given a damn about Firmus W. Piet? He sat down on the closest bench, feeling lightheaded. But hadn't Jade called him Vader's friend, and Vader hadn't contradicted her? But even so, what was he supposed to do about it? He was no Luke Skywalker. He was just the dunce who hadn't had the sense to resign or die at any point in the past twenty-eight years. In a burst of glory, the rising sun blazed through the window, setting fire to the reddish hints in the marbled honey glass of the woman's hair and flashing her eyes full of life. Something else dawned on him, too. It hadn't been Skywalker who'd gotten Vader to stop trying to drive his son away. It had been Jade. And she hadn't done it by trying not to step on his toes. She'd marched right into his face and started stomping. She hadn't had any immunity from his wrath. She'd just cared about something more than her life. The way he'd just found out he cared about his command. Piet stared bleakly at the serene countenance of the woman in the window. Why me? Amru! A voice echoed behind him. Piet sucked in a sharp breath, wrestling his face for composure, and got the neutral expression pinned down just as the guard trundled into view. I beg your pardon he said, climbing back to his feet. I just stopped to admire this window. Ah, nodded the guard, munificently. They all do that as seer. A right angel, is she? He worked his throat. Yes. Who? He trailed off as his eyes landed on a little plaque below the window. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Given by the Sovereign System of Naboo In loving memory of Padme Amidala Nabari Queen, Senator, Servant 46 BBY through 19 BBY
The text of this story can be found on AO3 and fanfiction.net. The music is Guitar Blues by Sylvester Weaver. Special thanks to Sakiko. For more stories that I've read, visit my website at samgabrielvo.com. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.